I believe that therapists and educators can make a bigger impact with their work when they learn how to lead. And also, I believe that having constraints placed upon us can make us more creative and resilient because they force us to better leverage our time and be resourceful. That quote comes from Karen Dudek Brannon. I'm Raleigh. And I'm Danielle. And this is Unstuck, the special ed podcast. Hey, Raleigh, how's it going today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really excited for our podcast today and our special yes, guest. We, yes, we have a very special guest, a very esteemed guest who has done a lot of work in the uh, speech and language community, executive functioning, um, language and literacy. So we are very lucky to have Karen Dudek Brannon with us today. She is a professional development and learning specialist, a licensed speech and language pathologist, and founder CEO of Dr. Karen LLC, a company focused on empowering therapists and educators to design interventions that support language, literacy, and executive functioning. She develops engaging professional development and products that help school teams work together to get better results. Through her courses and trainings, as well as the De Facto Leaders podcast, Karen shares up-to-date evidence-based practices, her own experience, and guest interviews designed to help pediatric therapists, educators, and aspiring school leaders design services that support social, emotional, and academic growth and set kids up for success in adulthood. Well, I'm very excited. Let's just jump right in. Sounds good to me. Well, thanks, Raleigh, for that great intro. Uh, Welcome, Karen. We're very excited to have you here to talk a little bit about language, literacy, executive functioning, all the good stuff. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Can you tell us about how you got started in the field and, and some of your work now? Yeah, so I started off as a school SLP. I was in the schools for 14 years and at the same time was doing some work in higher ed, um, a little bit with teaching in special ed and, and communication sciences and disorders and was also working on my doctorate in special ed and my director of special ed credentials. So I kind of thought I was going to go the higher ed or school administration route. But when I finished my degree and started job searching, I also had started building courses on the side because when I was an SLP, I felt like with the language and literacy part, um, SLPs, we get a lot of training in the the neuro and the rehab aspects, and it's a little bit more medical. So sometimes when you come into a school, it's hard to figure out how you fit into the school system. And then also with with language and reading, there's so many different people that are a part of that instruction and intervention. I had a hard time figuring out what my role was, and I knew I was supposed to be doing something, but I didn't know how that looked. And I always found it difficult to figure out, okay, the language arts teacher has 40 minutes a week with, or 40 minutes a day in this language arts lesson with students. And then there's the reading teachers who are there. And I have this 30 to 40 minute to week session with my students and I'm supposed to support their language. How am I supposed to consider all of these different things? So I never really thought I had a good system for handling that. And so that was, when I went back to get my doctorate, I was also on the school problem solving team where we would, you know, all the referrals, and this was RTI and special ed, we'd get the the students who had concerns, whether it was behavioral or academic, and we'd have to figure out 
Are we going to do an intervention? Is the teacher going to do something in their classroom? Does it make sense to refer for a special ed evaluation? So I was really involved in that process. And that kind of led me to what I did during my, um, my doctoral research, which was really focusing on how vocabulary and language impact really a lot of different things, but as it applies to some of those things that come up in school, like reading, writing, um, and I pulled a lot of things in relating to metacognition, which falls under that umbrella of executive functioning. And really, I just wanted to figure out, like, what am I supposed to be doing with my students so that it actually feels like it's beneficial? Because a lot of times I felt like I was just grabbing random stuff off of my shelves and guessing and just, you know, it didn't really feel good. And I realized that a lot of other people felt the same way. So, so when I was... In that, uh, in that time, that's when I kind of created this framework for supporting language and vocabulary and really what you would consider the language strand of the, the reading rope. Um, so I guess science of reading before we were calling it science of reading and really addressing that language aspect. And so that's what I started to put into my courses. And that kind of took off before the job search took off because I was kind of considering, you know, I was an SLP, I wanted to be an administrator. But what I ended up doing was building a suite of programs for SLPs to help them figure out what I had been struggling with. And then as I was doing that, I realized that when you think about the executive functioning piece, which is a part of the language piece, but there's so much more to it that you really can't function well and really help your students if you're not thinking about all the different pieces. So I expanded it. And when I started to really get into the executive functioning piece, I realized that it's not just about what the SLP's role is. It's about all of the related service providers and really the whole school team. And so now what I do is I focus on, you know, I still have my stuff that's specific to SLP's and the language aspect, but I also focus on executive functioning and not just what do we do when students are in front of us, but what does the whole programming need to look like and how does the team work together? So that kind of brings me to the, the work that I'm doing now um, just with my business and with some of the programs that I'm creating. What do you find for the ease of carryover for either other related professionals or like classroom staff for what you're learning or teaching kids? Well, it depends which part you're you're talking about with the with the language piece that is something where there are certain things because i do a lot of work with with syntax with a lot of the things that so for example if i'm the slp and i'm getting these referrals for students because they're not comprehending what they're reading a lot of times people will come to me and they'll say well, I need to work on comprehension because that's what the teacher is telling me is, is an issue, which makes sense. And of course, we need to work on comprehension. But a lot of times, the language, the, the syntax isn't there. And so, you know, if you have a hard time understanding one sentence at a time because you don't understand complex syntax, you're not going to be able to state the main idea of a paragraph. So a lot of times what I do just from the carryover standpoint is that the people who are supporting language, which it's the SLP, but it could be other people as well. It could be a special ed teacher. Um, it could be the general education teacher. They need to understand 
how do we all work together and figure out these little pieces that need to be in place? And if there's a missing piece, which a lot of times it's the syntax, someone needs to be addressing that. A lot of times it is, it does make sense for that to be the SLP. And they need to be focusing their time working on those skills, but also there needs to be some, like, however that looks, people need to be talking and working together to figure out, like, what piece are you doing and what piece am I doing? And then everybody looks a little bit different, but usually what I find, like, I kind of describe it as like a Venn diagram because I do get a lot of questions about, like, well, what do I do? And what does the reading teacher do? And the special ed teacher. And so I say... Like, here are all these things that we need students to be able to do. Like, we need to be able to have those, like, understand the main idea and, and students need to have really good reading instruction in phonics and understanding the pieces of words, like the prefixes and the suffixes so that they can decode. But then they also need to understand sentence structure. And then they also have to have, you know, like high level, they need to be able to come up with the steps to write an essay. And so not everybody can do all of those things, but everybody needs to understand those pieces so that when they work together, they can kind of figure out like you're doing this piece over here and that overlaps a little bit with the piece that I'm doing. And so we kind of have to figure out what are the things that we are on, the only one doing and then how do we kind of talk to each other and figure out how I can pull in your thing that you do. So, I mean, I can, I can think of a lot of specific examples, but um, a lot of the people that come through my programs are like, give me the curriculum, give me the script, give me the lesson plans. And I'm like, I can't do that because I don't know how your team works. I mean, it's like, so a lot of times you need a little bit of structure and a framework, but not, not so scripted and rigid because, you know, like what vocabulary is age appropriate in, Virginia versus Illinois, depending on your community, like I can't even, you have to be able to understand um, like how to work with your team to pull out the right things that are relevant to your curriculum, your community, and all of those types of things. Curriculum focus is so um, strong, whether you're passing like your tests or, you know, anything like that. And then every, so everything feels so siloed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, I can imagine that it can be a little bit challenging for you to help create a team that's well-rounded, that everyone's willing to participate. Yeah, it, it is really hard. I mean, that's, I mean, I talk to people all the time where they're like, I know I need to do that. I know I need to collaborate, but when am I going to do that? And it's just so overwhelming. Um, and I think that what I tell people especially if like if you're in a related service provider role, for example, like maybe you're the social worker or the OT or the speech pathologist. I tell people that um, sometimes when you're thinking about like, these are all the things I need to be doing, it's okay to say, I'm going to really focus on this one piece this year and get really good at this. And it's not that I'm ignoring these things. It's not going to be my main focus. And so I think how that look can can look for a related service provider is it's okay, even though you know you need to be, you know, maybe going into some classrooms and collaborating, like it's okay for you to just focus on getting really good at what you do in therapy. And so that's why with um, SLPs, for example, I'm like, figure out how to work on syntax and vocabulary, 
figure out what you're doing for your students when they're in front of you. And then you're really clear on that. So when you go to have a conversation with somebody, you can be like, this is what I'm doing. And here's how I can maybe train somebody else in this thing that I'm really good at. I know my operating procedures. I know what I'm doing. It's easier to train other people and your processes if you know what your processes are. I think that with um, teachers and therapists, we're so good at intuitively on the spot, just figuring out how to help students. But then when it's like, how do I teach another professional what I'm doing? It's a completely different skill set. And that is kind of a shift that I made when I went from therapist to training therapist. It's like teaching adults and being in a leadership role is different. And so I always tell people it's okay to get clear on this one thing, you know, just because you're, you know, pulling out and that's, you know, the thing that you're focusing on, it's a step in the process to get you there. So I always tell people that, that it's like, work on your language therapy, and then maybe work on pulling in executive functioning. And then now you can think about how can I go and start training some other people in these things so they can do what I do. And it could look different for an OT because you've got, you know, the sensory piece or a reading teacher, you're really good at the reading curriculum and the reading standards where other people aren't. So I mean, it's, it's specific to your discipline, but that's how I kind of see just big picture how you can make it feasible. Cause I think a lot of people just don't do it because they're overwhelmed and they don't know how, like yeah. how to roll it out over the course of, you know, the next three years. <laughs> I like the concept of the Venn diagram. I think that's a really nice, like visual representation of how to show people like, here's like kind of almost an action plan of what you individually could be responsible for, but we, what we're all working towards. And I think it gives people a sense of like agency over that concern they have that maybe the, the students' needs aren't being met. It's like, well, look, we all can overlap here and this is how this is yeah. all, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's so important to be able to do that. Um, a couple of things you uh, developed and come up with. Can you talk a little bit about that um, and sort of plug what, how you use them? And I know that you said you had executive functioning guide and a um, mm -hmm. language guide. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I know that you have a lot of, you know, people who are in education in various roles here. So I can talk about the syntax piece first, just to get kind of specific on, you know, because I know I've talked high level about people's roles, but with the syntax piece, I think that we 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 have been better about talking about phonics and I mean, even, even the morphology piece, like we know, okay, here are the sounds. And then we also know here are the parts of the words, like the prefixes and the suffixes and like, and all of that's really good for building the language skills and also the ability to look at a word and be able to decode it. So all of that's really good, but where I don't see as many conversations are about the, the syntax piece, which is how do we teach students to understand the structure of language. Um, so for example, just at a high level, like how, how this could impact is there's one, there's a couple skills when you think about them, they are more impactful in how well we're able to comprehend than others. A lot of people, when they're starting to work on grammar, they're like, well, this student is messing up their verb tenses, or maybe they're confusing pronouns. And, and with, with pronouns, I'm not necessarily talking about the gender of the pronouns, but more of the grammatical errors. So they're saying like 
her walked to school instead of she walked to school. And it sounds different, but the message still gets across. So a lot of times when you're trying to help students comprehend things, you have to figure out what are the language skills that truly impact comprehension and are going to make it really difficult for the student to function. Because a lot of those things that I just mentioned can be kind of pulled in to other work and embedded, but not necessarily a separate IEP goal, for example. So one skill that has a really big impact on both our ability to comprehend and then also our the complexity of our writing is, is complex sentences and the use of subordination. So um, subordinate conjunctions like, you know, if I were to throw out a couple of really common ones, words like because, before, and after, so using those kinds of words are very difficult for students with language issues. A lot of times the, like when you think about the other conjunctions, like um, the coordinating, like and, like the, the fanboys acronym, those just connect words, they connect ideas together. And that's that's difficult for a lot of students with language issues, but subordinate conjunctions are the conjunctions that connect clauses, but also show some kind of a relationship between them. They don't necessarily just connect ideas. So they're giving a lot of information. So when we think about vocabulary, a lot of times we're thinking about nouns, verbs, and adjectives, and what words mean, which are really important. We're thinking about those content words, but subordinate conjunctions are function words. And when we think about vocabulary that word, that way, it's what words do. And so when we're like, okay, we need to find a definition, it's kind of hard to do that for a conjunction because you really just have to use it. You don't necessarily, like, you're not exactly explaining, like, this is the definition of the word. So we also need to think about what words do when we're thinking about vocabulary because when we think about um, syntax, a lot of times... The, the information in a sentence is flipped around and you have to look at the conjunction to, to figure out the message. So for example, if I said something like, um, before we eat dinner, we have to make, to set the table. So the thing that happened first happened like with said second in that sentence. And so when you have to do that, you need a lot of working memory to be able to let remember this thing, but then here's this thing over here that happened, and now I've got to flip them in my head. So if you don't have that automaticity with just knowing, like, oh, here's the word before, that means I've got to pay attention to, to all these other things here. And so that gets really difficult for students. And so if you have a, a paragraph that's loaded with sentences like that. And you're like, what's the main idea? And you're asking students details. A lot of times what people will do is that they'll just be like, okay, let's practice comprehension questions, but they're not really getting in there and looking at one sentence at a time and doing that direct work on syntax. And so that makes it hard. And so that's why a lot of times it's like, especially with students that are in secondary school that haven't really had focused work on syntax and they've moved on, everybody's moved on in the curriculum and you're doing all those high level things. There are a lot of students that don't have those skills yet. And you're trying to get them to write these complicated essays and do these tests that are loaded with all this yeah. complex language. It can be really difficult for them. And a lot of times we focus very high level on comprehension without getting to those specific things. The challenging part becomes 
there's so many different things we could be working on. What do I prioritize? And so that's why I always tell people, if you had to pick one skill to work on, if you focused on complex sentences, that would make a big impact on your students. And so I tell my SLPs that because that's something that they can work on in their language therapy, but it's certainly something that teachers could pull in, uh, reading teachers could pull in as they're working on other things. Again, the Venn diagram, they might not be doing the the specific lesson on syntax, but they could pull it in if they know that somebody else is working on it. So that's, I think, an area of opportunity. Um, I was talking to an SLP the other day about, she she works with high school and she had some students who were trying to pass their driver's permit test and she was looking at it and it was like, the sentences are, you know, in the event that you see a stop sign, like there's all these sentences where it's like, they can't, I mean, if they don't have that understanding that you need to pay attention to these function words, it, it would be really difficult. So, um, and she did, her student passed the exam because they'd done all this work on syntax. So that is the first part of, um, I guess, with the, the syntax guide, I do have a, a free download where I explain the impact of syntax on comprehension and some of the symptoms that can come up that we often associate with comprehension difficulties. So I do have a free guide that people can uh, can download that goes into both complex sentences, but also there's some other sentence types that tend to be difficult for students with language, uh, if they have a language impairment, and also even just people who are learning English, uh, those are also difficult for them. So syntax is huge. I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to like I'm doing uh, Duolingo Spanish and the syntax always throws me off with my comprehension. Yeah, no, I agree. And I know, especially at the secondary level, mm -hmm. especially with the um, focus right now in the United States, um, being able to have um, higher kids with higher level needs, be able to start working on those things. Yeah. Where can people download your guide? So if you go to drkarenspeech.com backslash, sorry, let me say that again, <laughs> drkarenspeech.com backslash sentence structure. Awesome. Thank you. We'll definitely link that into yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and I know that you had, we had asked before, or we were talking a little bit about executive functioning and how that plays in. And um, I don't know if, you've both experienced this, but I feel like when we have these multidisciplinary teams, it it feels like we're playing blind man and the elephant. Have you ever heard that story no. where, so there's, okay, I think it's, there's this poem. If you just Google it, you can find it, but it's, there's these six men that are, there, there's an elephant in front of them and they're all blind. And there's one who it's, what is this thing that's in front of you? And one of them is touching the leg and saying, it's a tree trunk. And one of them is touching the um, the tusk and is like, it's a spear. And then the other one is touching the trunk and saying, it's a, a snake. And so they're all looking at different parts of the same thing. And they're arguing about what it is because they're looking at it from a different perspective. So I have found that this happens with language and executive functioning because some people are like, focus on comprehension and attending and um, you know, where the, the self self questioning to get myself to focus. And because if you're not focusing, you're not going to be able to focus on the language. 
But then some people are saying, well, if you don't understand complex syntax, you can't do internal dialogue required for internal planning, which is executive functioning. So you need to start there. And I mean, the other day I was, I posted something like that. And then somebody was like, well, what about sensory needs? What if they're really dysregulated and they come in, how are you going to get them to focus on learning? And so I'm focused on the language aspect, but I think that all these things are important. All the pieces need to be in place. Um, and I do think it's really important to know what do I do and how does it relate to what other people do? And everybody's thing is important and we're all fit, fitting together. And so when I say, you know, a lot of times I will say, if you don't, if you can't comprehend one sentence at a time, then you're not going to be able to do all of this internal dialogue and comprehension. But I also think we need to be working on those other things, which would would relate to executive functioning. Um, with those things that I just mentioned, all of those temporal concepts, I know that when we think about executive functioning, we think about being organized and being on time and you know getting your assignments turned in, which are symptoms of executive functioning issues if you can't do those things but part of it too which is the angle that i pull in as a as a person who focuses on language is number one being able to have the language skills to talk to yourself in your head and plan but also the time perception piece or just your ability to sense time and on like have a really solid understanding of the passage of time, which is so hard if you're experiencing executive dysfunction. Like somebody tells you five minutes and if you don't, if that doesn't mean something to you, 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 you don't have this vivid sense of what five minutes looks like, feels like, um, you know, what are some activities that you could think of that take five minutes? All of that impacts your ability to sense time. And if you don't have the language to be able to think through that in your head, then it is really difficult for you to be able to, you know, think about some long-term task that you have and figure out how long is this going to take and what are my steps. So with those temporal terms that I just said, things, words like before and after, kids who have executive functioning issues tend to struggle with those things. So that's how the vocabulary piece can kind of fit together. So I always tell people, if you're working on language over here and you're doing it in a way that is teaching kids to actively use it and problem solve and talk to themselves while they're looking at different sentences, you are working on executive functioning. And then also words like because, I mean, cause and effect. If I do this, this thing is going to happen. I mean, that's so important to being able to think into the future and thinking about what am I doing now and what what are the consequences of that? So all of that language is, is going to be really important and supportive of executive functioning. And so I always tell people if they're kind of feeling like, well, I, I'm not addressing all of the things I'm, you know, if you're working on language in the right way, you are working on executive functioning and you're supporting it. But also, um, I think all the members of the team need to know how to support it. You know, again, the Venn diagram concept. So, yeah, but it's just... Uh, figuring out how to know what you're doing as an individual, but also be able to figure out how to go top down as a team as well. <laughs> and it's not easy. <laughs> not at all. Wonderfully said. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us about, a little bit about your podcast. I want to make sure to 
that people can sign on and listen to you. I yeah. Mean, so <laughs> you have so much good information. I'm like riveted. <laughs> yeah. Um, I could, I could go on all day about different topics I've gotten into there. So I would say that it has been, um, I started off in the parenting category. It used to be called, are they 18 yet? And I was going to focus on, um, executive functioning, but more from the parenting lens, because when I started, I had my language therapy stuff and I wanted to expand. And so I wanted to figure out how to support the therapists, but also if you don't, if you're a therapist, especially for people who are in private practice, and I think people can do this in the schools as well. It's just the setup is a little different, but with executive functioning, you do have things that you can work on in a more therapy, rehab, academic type of setting. But if you don't train the other people who are interacting with that child to be able to put scaffolding in the environment and know how to respond and talk kids through those functional tasks, it's like you're just not going to get good results in generalization. So coaching other people, it, you know, this parents, teachers, anybody else that interacts with that child, like it, it, it has to be part of your intervention plan if you're focusing on executive functioning, because if you have a child who is, um, you know, not able to, you know, sit down and figure out like, what are the steps to take to do this task? And then you have somebody who's doing it for them in their environment, then they're never going to get the chance to actually practice those skills. So my thoughts were, if I'm going to really work on this, it makes sense to focus on helping parents. But, you know, you have an idea and then it sort of takes a life of its own. And there were, I was just getting so many questions from clinicians that it kind of just kept steering back towards clinical. And so that's when I pivoted and decided instead of focusing on parents, which, you know, I think that my information is still helpful for parents. I decided that for me, my interests, my skill sets, it makes more sense to expand to the rest of the school team instead of parents. So that's when I pivoted and started, uh, switched the name to de facto leaders and made it more about some of my specific areas that I focus on, but also how we can work together as a team and helping people who are in that related service provider role or in a teacher role and helping them emerge as leaders on their team and, and feeling like you're a leader no matter what your job title is. Because a lot of times when you are in a in a position where you're, you know, you're seeing students directly and you're not officially an administrator, but then you realize something needs to happen and it's not happening, whether it's because your administrator is not on board or they're just so overloaded with so many other things that they can't. It's just helping people to figure out tangible ways that they can make things happen from the bottom up. So that's a big part of the brand and, you know, the mission of the podcast, just the whole idea of de facto leadership. But in, the, you know, when you start to get into that, you realize that there's all these other pieces. So I've gotten into topics like, you know, there's how do you work together as a team, but also, um, you know, I've had people that come on to talk about community engagement and professional development and adult learning. Um, I've had people come on and talk about school turnaround and all of the, some of the other things that happen at the leadership level so that people can have a better understanding of why things work the way that they are. I've, you know, and then there's also 
you know, if you want to start a side hustle or a private practice or a podcast. So I've, so I've talked about all, like all different ways that you can use your skills to have an impact in some way. So it's, I have a lot of interest. I would say that my podcast is sort of like, there was a, a period where it was kind of just random thoughts with Karen figuring out what she wants to talk about. But um, I think it's gotten a little more focused this past year and helped me to connect with lots of amazing, uh, lots of amazing, smart people like both of you. So. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, okay. So and, and then, and give everyone. Can you say that again? Give the name of your website. Oh yeah. Okay probably important. So, but I have all of the episodes are obviously, you know, de facto leaders on any of the directories. And then I publish them to my website at drkarendudekbrannon.com. I actually have two websites. Um, And then de facto leaders.com, you can find all of the episodes. And then I with the executive functioning piece, I do focus on here are some strategies that you can do with students in front of you. But I also talk about how at a high level, everybody's role can look. And so I also have a guide where I talk about that and just high level, what what is executive functioning? What does it look like? What are some ways that schools are trying to solve this issue? And falling short, not because those things are bad things, but just because there's other pieces that need to be put in place. Again, the the blind men and the elephant thing. So I um, I have a guide where I do walk through some symptoms of executive dysfunction and why they're often missed and just how everybody can work together to, to solve that. So that guide you can find at drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash schools. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We learned so much from you and um, appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> All right. And if for our listeners too, make sure you check out at Unstuck Podcast One on all your social media platforms. All right. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.